Hey, Kate. Yeah? Do we give legal advice on this podcast? Oh, gosh, no. Hostile work environment. Exactly. Hey, inappropriate workplace topic. Hostile work environment. I'm the human resources director. Little Miss Hostile Work Environment. Hello, welcome to the Hostile Work Environment. My name is Mark Alifans. I'm here as always with Kate Bischoff. Say hello, Kate. Hello, everybody. I don't have uh, nearly for... the beautiful background that you all have, or that you have. Yeah, so for those of you watching on video, at some point when I put the video of this up, I am, I am away in Utah at my in-laws place, and so I decided to set up the camera outside, which is why I'm totally silhouetted and dark on the screen, but you can all see the beautiful mountainscape and lake behind me, which is awesome. Uh, and uh, I think this is a nice change of pace for me. It's nice to get away from home where I really hadn't left the house more than a couple of times in months. Uh, now I have somebody else's house that I'm not going to leave for a while. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I did my so, first restaurant today, so all exciting things. And how was that? Outside on a patio, it was lovely. So Some glimmer of normalcy, although I think given the numbers we're seeing right now, it's going to be a while before anything's back to normal again. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. I totally agree. So how have you been doing? We're two weeks here. I feel like right now we're in this kind of holding pattern when it comes to, to potting because there's just so much going on in the world that's all related or peripherally related to, to employment law. And it just feels like there's more important things to be talking about than going back and finding old cases right now. So how are you doing? What, what's a, what, how have the last two weeks treated you? <laughs> well, I, I will tell you that, as I mentioned probably on the last pod, is that my clients don't believe COVID exists anymore because we are in Minneapolis and we've been dealing almost exclusively with racism, whether it is on social media or whether it is in the workplace, uh, making statements, trying to find ways to support. Uh, those are what we've been dealing with almost exclusively for the past two weeks. So it's been uh, a welcome kind of moment where we need to seize this time. And, you know, uh, Lance Hahn, who writes for TLNT, he had this quote, and I'm sorry, I don't remember who wrote the quote, but it's, you know, the best time to plant a tree was 23 years ago. The second best time to plant a tree is today. And so I'm very excited that people are planting the trees of really trying to make a difference these days. So. I think I totally agree. That's a great quote. Um, and I think that this dovetails into one of the things we want to talk about today. Uh, and yesterday, an article came out in ABC, on, sorry, on Huffington Post, but a couple of other sources I saw as well related to ABC mm -hmm. News, uh, and uh, one of the ABC News executives who apparently has had a few issues with uh, race at uh, the workplace. Uh, just a few? <laughs> Mr. Oliver, just well, a few. I was, I was starting with some understatement. <laughs> I was setting that up for you to knock it down. Um, do you want to walk us through what is going on there and then we can talk about like where does this fit into the larger movement of various things at the moment 
Okay, so the story from Yashar Ali, who uh, writes about these kinds of issues a lot, um, starts talking about a senior ABC News executive uh, by the name of Barbara Fadida, is how I think her name is. I, I couldn't. Said. I wasn't sure if it was Fadida or Fadida, but let's go okay. with Fadida. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Tomato, tomato. Um, right. So she is in charge of talent for ABC News. And she has made some incredibly offensive comments about uh, black people. In particular, uh, one example starts with Robin Roberts, who is the host of Good Morning America, uh, including a things long like long time mainstay there, yeah. right? I mean, she's been around for a long time yes. and is well known and beloved by many. Let's say beloved by some. Okay. <laughs> I mean, well, Robin Roberts I, is beloved by many. Yeah, that's who you're that's referring what, to. I, yeah, yeah, I'm talking about Robin Roberts, not okay. not Miss <laughs> Fadida. I've never heard okay. of her until yesterday. I, I No, no, no. Sorry okay. if that was unclear. I'm talking about Robin <laughs> Roberts. Yes, and I've heard her speak. Um, she was at Work Human in 2019, and she was wonderful. I loved her. I thought she was great. So I'm a big fan. And she does talk about, you know, kind of, being black and what that means and how to overcome that. So that was wonderful. However, when she was negotiating her contract renewal, Ms. Fadida did not think that Robin should get more. In fact, um, it was, here's the quote from the article. It wasn't as if the network was asking Robert to pick cotton, according to one source who was in the room when they were talking about raising. And that is so entirely offensive with its slavery reference. Uh, I mean, who who could even think to say, I, I, I mean, I, obviously people, I just, I can't even imagine. It's just mm -hmm. insane. I read the, I was like, wait, she said, what? What? And, and when? Mm -hmm. uh, all right, sorry. And, Continue, and please. In the, in the grand scheme of things, also, we have to remember this is ABC News. We've got NBC with its Matt Lauer issues. We've got CBS with its Charlie Rose issues. And so it was about time that ABC had its own significant issues to toss into the mix here, right? Fair enough. Yeah, it, it was time. <laughs> it, it was time. So the comments go there have been a long string of these kinds of racist comments. There were reports of nearly a, of more than a dozen human resource complaints against Ms. Fredita, um, and they have hired an executive coach for her in response to these complaints, but they never really took the next step to actually terminate her. And, and over the years, I mean, I think I recall seeing in the article that HR has been called related to her at least a dozen times. Mm-hmm over the last several years. So I, I'm asking the question, why hasn't more been done before? And also, why is it happening right now? Well, and this gets to my point. Since Memorial Day of 2020 and the death of George Floyd, the Cooper incident in New York City, the multiple Karens gone wild videos that we've seen since then of just blatant racism, it feels like this is the moment where we're going to have racism's Me Too movement, where we're going to see all of these things and we're going to hear all of these things. And employers who haven't taken a, a tough stance since are going to have to make difficult decisions, not difficult decisions in that 
they want to employ racists, but they're going to have to say, oh my gosh, we are going to have to fundamentally change how we do business because we have let racism permeate our entire system. And, and we haven't done anything about it. Yeah. I mean, I, it was funny because you sent me the article this morning and to show that, that in, in many ways we share a brain, my first thought was, <laughs> oh, right. So this totally makes sense. It's, it's, it's a me too corollary on race. And, and maybe this yep. is the first of, of many or several that we're going to see related to these sorts of issues. Uh, and I, you know, I really wish that that had happened before uh, without this needing mm -hmm. to be the catalyst. But if this is the catalyst, let's do it. Mm -hmm. And it's I, time. It's past you know, time. It, definitely past time. And I, you know, in Charlottesville of 2017, I've helped my clients fire four individual for racist rants on social media. And that was a lot. Like, that was a lot within one week period. I have blown past that record oh, yeah. this past week with racist rants on social media. There have and been so, so many. It, it is, this has been a catalyst, catalyst for un uncovering these situations and then dealing with them and dealing with them rapidly, I think. I agree. Uh, I'm going to simply comment here that I am. My notes have gone away because my iPad is too hot sitting out in the sun. <laughs> I can't read it, so I'm going to hide that and pretend like I know what our outline looks like and the things I'm going to be talking about. Uh, Mark is living hashtag first world problems. First mm -hmm. world problems. Yeah. Well, uh, although yeah. There, it's a big it's a big problem when you're a podcaster, and that's where your notes are. So. This is true. Um, back to Ms. Fredita. Ms. Yes, Fredita please. also regularly used the C word to refer to women. Um, and she had a very abusive relationship with many other people, taking aim at another black anchor, uh, claiming that he used more toilet paper than anyone else before him, which is just I mean, gross. Gross. Yeah. So there have been a lot of questions about this. And if you if you take a look at the article, it's on Huffington Post. It's Yasha Ali's article again. And it it really is, to the extent it can be, thoroughly researched with lots and lots of details about how her reign of terror, for lack of a better description, um, really shows how much this was existed at NBC, at ABC and ABC did nothing about it. So yeah. Yeah, I mean, if even if part, if even if it's partially true, um, if not everything mm -hmm. in there as reported is true, it still crosses the line a long time ago. Um, would you do me the favor? Because I was going to do this, but now I can't. <laughs> Can you read her the the statement that she put out related to it? Because I thought it was particularly tone deaf. Uh, no pun intended. Uh, let me. Uh, <laughs> let me and, get. I know it's a long article, and I'm putting you a little on the spot with that, but I, my, my iPad's dead. So, uh, uh, But I, I thought it was worth reading as an example of, in my mind, how not to write something like that. Oh, is this the... Her lawyer released a statement on her behalf. Oh, there we go. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, there's also this statement that... Um, my personal experience with Barbara Fredita is that she is not racist. I know what racism lo oh. looks, smells, and sounds like. Barbara Fredita is not any of those things, but I am respectful of other colleagues who may have a different experience. 
this is. And that's coming from one of the black anchors at, yes. at ABC News, correct? If I recall Byron that quote. Pitt. Yeah, yeah, Byron Pitt. This also sounds very much like Terry Crews in the, mm -hmm. what's happening in American's Got Talent is, well, I didn't see it. So, what do you want me to do about it? <laughs> right. <laughs> so, and Mr. Cruz, although I am a massive Brooklyn Nine-Nine fan, I just wish it was set at a post office and not a police department right now. But <laughs> it, it, you know, it's that same kind of tone deaf, not hearing these other comments as well. So, yeah. yeah. All right. Well. Speaking. Yeah, I'm sure there will be more unions. to come on that is what I was going to say. Yeah. Yes, yes. And speaking about police unions, um, there is an interesting labor law twist to the defund, disband police movement at this point in time. And I wanted to give a little bit of discussion to it because it's fascinating to me. And so maybe a couple or a few of our listeners and viewers would find it interesting as well. Um, as you know, in Minneapolis, we have taken uh, the step, or the city council has taken the step that they are determined to disband and re or change how our policing is done in the city. And no one in Minneapolis would tell you that the union is not a consideration in that decision. It is most certainly a consideration. For decades, Minneapolis has been a model of police reform. I served as a commissioner on the Police Civilian Oversight Commission for a short time. And we pushed policies like body cameras, like approaches to domestic violence, like mental health issues, having social workers in the police vehicle to handle those things for a, a long time. Those were big reforms that we were trying to make. Uh, but Oftentimes, there were stumbling blocks to that, and one of those massive stumbling blocks was the union. And uh, if anybody watched John Oliver's special from last week about the oversight. highly recommend. Oh, my God. That was yeah. 35 minutes of I was overwhelmed, and I just I thought it was fantastic. I mean, it was just one of the best 30 minutes of mm -hmm. TV I've seen in a long time. And you got to meet our police union president, Bob Kroll, yep. in that little thing. And he is not a peach by any uh, – his most recent comment, I think, that is so abhorrent is that he has been involved in three police shootings and he sleeps fine at night is his response. So yeah. when we're looking at changing how we're doing policing and whether it's disbanding and, and the city has stopped negotiations with the union in advance of doing this kind of disbanding and changing, it's, it brings up a really fascinating labor law piece. Because if I was a private employer and I had a union and I wanted to get rid of the union, if I closed down, that would be a National Labor Relations Act violation because yep. I am trying to avoid the union. And you so had, You would get a ULP for that before you even stopped thinking the thought. Yes. And so there is the chance that there is going to be an unfair labor practice with this kind of action because it is we're of trying to avoid that piece of the union so that we can institute the kind of reforms we want and that we can get rid of the police officers that we don't want to have around. 
because it is really difficult to get rid of a police officer because in most cases, and I think um, Ray McKesson gave the stat for Minneapolis, it's like somewhere between 70 and 80% of police officers who are terminated are reinstated under the grievance process because it's so hard to terminate a police officer. So yeah, those and, and, unionizing and would, things. I would highlight here again, this is, this is something that we see in many uh, organized union environments where the union goes to bat for an employee that that really screwed up, that really should be fired for some act, and they go to bat, and through that grievance process, they might be reinstated, or they might be reinstated with other conditions. Uh, that is frustrating for a lot of management, and mm -hmm. undermines some of what I would view as the benefits of the labor movement. But that's just that's just me opining for the moment. But that issue is magnified. 10 times when it comes to police unions and mm -hmm. and the stakes are so much higher because you know if if someone in a regular workplace messes up i mean maybe there's a machine or, or something that could hurt somebody or you know but it's not like that person's walking around with a gun and right. reinstating dangerous police officers is is so dangerous <laughs> and so uh antithetical to what we want for a functioning uh, police force and for a functioning society that it it really undermines the effectiveness of the police forces in in general and so uh, this is like the same problem we see with labor unions uh, just on steroids and it's Definitely. such a difficult problem to solve I, and and it's going to get in the way of some of the defund police uh, activism that we're seeing right now it's going to be I'm not going to say it's a permanent roadblock, no. but it will be something in the way. It will be something that we have to negotiate and figure out a way around it to make real, lasting, meaningful change. Well, and the one thing I will say, the National Labor Relations Board is slow, mm. like massively slow. Like some of the cases that we've had go on for years before there's ever a final resolution. To it so that's at least one thing in the cities who are interested in taking these kinds of steps favor is that the slowness of it may make the reinstatement of some of these folks moot by the time that might be finally ordered so that's just one side of it we'll see it's going to be really interesting over the next couple of years as i hope that this movement continues and continues to be active. I mean, the other thing on this particular front that's going to be super interesting is is which party is in power come November, right? uh, because the the board, the National Labor Relations Board, really goes with which party is in power. But the irony here is that the 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 Republican board might be much more uh, okay because they're viewed as less pro union to help enact mm -hmm. these changes whereas a biden nlrb with 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 democrats on it might be more uh difficult to persuade even though this is by all intents and purposes as far as i can tell a left-leaning and left-driven movement absolutely the politics are totally so screwed weird. up here yeah they're totally flipped it's so interesting so yeah and so so much more to come on that and it it's just going to be interesting and i i really hope and i know you do too that we see some of this 
lasting and meaningful change around defund police, which again, there's different ways to take that term doesn't mean just get rid of police altogether. Mm -hmm. It just means mm -hmm. let's fund other services and take the police, take away from the police certain uh, jobs and duties that they have that really aren't related to policing and are, are much more uh, apt for people who are specialists in their field. Right. Absolutely. So I encourage everyone to go read some stuff about it because it's fascinating that we have this opportunity to reimagine it as well. So, Mark, do you have like a listener story or something for us? So, yeah, I've got two more segments and, and I am, you know, since we're, we, we don't really bother with, with pretending that we're anything other than the <laughs> schlubs we are here, I am trying to get my iPad back on right now. And it is working. I'm just getting. I'm just getting back to the folder here that I need. Um, and normally I do this on my second screen at home, but I don't have a second screen here. So hold on. All right. So I thought. So I've got two short segments here, and I wanted to uh, okay. do both of these for you. So, um, so this is uh, from April. This was uh, something I held on to a while ago for. A short segment on the podcast, and uh, it's from the New York Times uh, and a segment called Work Friend, uh, where somebody asks a question about a workplace issue, and uh, Katie Weaver is the uh, author here. So uh, here is the question that came in. Uh, I'm self-employed and had a baby a few weeks ago. I am working on a project that was supposed to launch early... Yes, I was uh, working on a project uh, that was supposed to launch earlier this year, but has now been pushed back to summer. I never told my remote business partner I was pregnant because I didn't want it to be a reason to push the launch date. And I also, I figured he might not think I was as committed to the project once I had a baby. I mean, there's some questions and issues there around that relationship, but I'll, I'll just keep reading. We only touch base every few weeks, so we're not especially close. Now that the baby is here, it feels weird not to mention her. Since I'm working from home, you can hear her noises in the background. I'm pretty sure he thinks it's a cat. On our last call, he mentioned that I was fortunate I don't have to deal with kids at this moment in time, but I do. Is it too late for me to tell him I had a baby? I feel anxious that he could misconstrue my omission as a lack of trust in him personally. Maybe I just never say anything? It's not like he needs to know. Anonymous, Texas. Oh, Anonymous in Texas, my heart goes out to you because all of the stereotypes of being a new mom are rampant in that story, right? The fear I'm going to lose my job or we're going to push out the work because I'm pregnant or I had a baby, even though you knew that you could be able to do it, but you were pushing yourself. Oh, yeah. I only took, I had two C-sections. I only took a month off for my first child against my doctor's orders because I was so afraid that I was yeah. going to lose my job if I didn't go back. So I it, understand. It, as do I. And I, I understand the, the situation here. Although on the other side of that, she's a, a business partner and she mm -hmm. should just be able to say something and not have it be, be a thing. What I thought was really interesting here was that the, uh, uh, what was her name? Katie Weaver, who wrote the article, who gave the advice here, basically said you just need to gaslight him and he even went <laughs> went back so far 
as to talk about uh, the 1944 film Gaslight, which is where the term comes from, uh, starring Ingrid Bergman as mm -hmm. a wife whose husband manipulates her into believing she is going insane so he can steal some family jewels. Uh, your aim will be less extreme to make your remote colleague, work colleague, believe he is incurious and or forgetful. <laughs> so at some point, just be like, what? <laughs> you didn't know she was here? Where have you been? I've told you like five times. Five Oh, I don't like how that plays into the stereotype either of women are no, manipulative. But I, I don't either, but I thought it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. Absolutely hilarious. What do you mean you didn't know I had a baby? Uh, just for the record, Mark. Yes. I am not pregnant. Oh, okay. Well, I, I mean, I would be happy either way. <laughs> I'm just put laying that out there as your podcasting partner. As I'm my podcast partner. Okay. Um, I will disclose to you that I am not either. <laughs> it would be so miraculous if you were, though. It, it, it would be uh, miraculous, yes. Um, all right. Uh, I thought that was just good for a short interlude, and I'm just going to finish up here. I'm going to keep it pretty short today uh, with a very short listener story we got. Please send us your listener stories to hwepodcast at gmail.com. Like I said, the last few weeks I have a few. I've gotten a few more. I would like more. Um, especially because I like having the option to choose what to read when, so it kind of fits in more with the theme of what we're doing. So uh, okay. this is coming from an anonymous listener. When I was new to my HR career, I worked for a woodworking firm. The 100% male shop workers were as awful as you might imagine. We hired oh. a young woman in the office who had a habit of wearing flowy, light-colored skirts with bright, dark-colored thong undies. After a week or so, the manager of the department came to me and said, you have to tell her she can't wear thongs on the shop floor. It's not safe. I got, <laughs> I got gonna get outraged. Caught in the machine? Well, how is that not right? safe? Oh. I got outraged. Oh, just wait. I got outraged and launched a sexual harassment investigation, only to discover five minutes into my first interview that he meant flip-flops. <laughs> okay, which that's... she was wearing on her feet to the shop floor. <laughs> I, for a short, to the point story, that is utter perfection. It's a great it story. Is. It is. And I loved everything about that. Just because you don't even see, I, I didn't see it coming. And, <laughs> oh my gosh, how freaking hilarious is that? What do you mean, flip-flop? Or what do you mean, thong? Thong, mm -hmm. right? So tell me about her thong, right? <laughs> like, what's an appropriate, like, oh my gosh. Oh, no, like, her feet? Yeah, anyway. Oh, I feel uh, for that HR person. It was oh, definitely right. one I mean, of your first investigations. That first five minutes must have been rough. Right, and and especially as you, as it dawns on you that, <laughs> oh my God, I've made a terrible mistake. Because she's the HR person's made assumptions of what you mean by thong. The other not unreasonably. Right, probably not unreasonably at all. Oh, that is a delightful story. I hope that I, woman wasn't harassed. So, just saying. I I hope not. Uh, I don't have any more information, but um, <laughs> wow, I thought that was awesome. So um, thank you, listener, that for that story. Awesome. 
I know more of you have stories that are like that, that would be awesome for us to be able to tell. Uh, so please send them to us, hwepodcast at gmail.com. Uh, and uh, we're about to finish up here. I thought it might be good to preview uh, that we have some really big Supreme Court cases coming out, uh, possibly as early as tomorrow, uh, being Monday, the day that this actually today in listener land. Um, so once that comes out, we're pretty committed to doing another episode here on the fly to examine that case, whichever way it comes out, uh, which is really around sexual orientation, whether it's it's in or out of uh, sex under Title VII. Um, and uh, I don't know where how it's going to go. Yeah, I don't know how it's going to go either. Um, the gender identity case in particular um, with the religious yeah. piece of it, that's that has been combined into the, and so that yes. three decisions that should be probably coming out as one, but they might be different. It's, it's kind of like if you're a real employment law nerd, this is the Farragher and Alice or where there's two separate decisions basically on the same premise. Um, so we anticipate there'd be yep. some decision like that that will come out. Um, it really could go either and, way. Right. I mean, I think it comes down to what does Roberts want for his court? Mm-hmm. And what does I Robert, think we know it's going to be yeah. four four otherwise. Right. And uh, well, and to pontificate a little bit for Justice Roberts, uh, the Georgia election this in the last 10 days really was a cluster on a mo- lot of different ways. And the reason it became a cluster is because of his decision in the Supreme Court case uh, gutting the human rights or the voting, the voting rights, rights act, act. Yeah. voting rights act, and so you know, the maybe the reason why this these decisions are so delayed is that maybe he's having some introspection. Who knows? I would love uh, that to be the case. But. I would love that to be the reason, not the not the more pessimistic reason that I was thinking, because everybody expected this last week, mm-hmm. um, and I thought maybe it would be because it's going to go the other way, uh, and in light of all of the protests and BLM and everything else happening right at this moment, uh, they decided to delay it so as not to further inflame a situation. Um, I, I don't think there's a way to not inflame it. If, if right. this, either way, there's going to be protests in the street. Right. I, I agree with that. I don't think that there's, that there's any way to avoid that. They might not have come to that same realization at the same time, thinking that some of the protests would fade over the course of the <laughs> next week or so. So, yeah. uh, We'll see. It could come out as early as tomorrow. It might be Thursday, right? They come out on Thursdays, right? And then, um, uh, but it has to be before the end of the month, one way or another. So we will be back to talk about that. And we're going to fold into that discussion. We almost talked about it today, but we'll fold into that discussion, the final rule on health benefits for for trans employees uh, uh, that the Trump administration promulgated the final rule on. Uh, Friday last week. We will fold some discussion of that. Uh, We felt it tied more closely to the cases that are coming out. Um, So we will fold that in together into that conversation. So look for that uh, possibly as early as the middle of this week. Um, Thank you all for listening. Uh, Kate, any parting words? No, stay strong out there, HR. It's time to exercise our backbones for sure. So Absolutely. good luck out there, people. All right. Thanks, everyone. Okay, we'll, we'll be back have a good time. soon. Bye. Bye.